Welcome to the Spectrum Lounge podcast, where we discuss creatives of color disrupting the game in TV, film, and pop culture. I am your host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, and on this episode, I am joined by Robert Young as we discuss episode three of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, titled The Power Broker. The Power Broker. <laughs> Take a listen. <laughs> hey, Robert. I'm just like tongue-tied today. Hey. <laughs> Week three. Week, Week three. three. A banging episode. Really wow. looking forward to this. Oh man. So I, you know, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine and I was just like, you know, we've been having so much fun doing these recaps and I was like, yeah, this is sort of like a podcast marriage. Like Robert <laughs> is like my podcast husband, but I think uh, we're about, I, I think we might be having our first argument though, but uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> no, 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 there was, there were things that I liked about episode three and there mm-hmm. were a couple of things that I have a, like a question mark. Not, I, I didn't hate it. There were just right. a couple of questions I have, okay. but um anyway yes episode three of falcon and the winter soldier is now streaming on disney plus um and so i just wanted to get your initial thoughts what did you think of episode three i really really enjoyed zemo in this Mm -hmm. episode like yes i wasn't really looking forward to um seeing him come back because I didn't really know how they were going to use him. Mm-hmm. But the way he is used in this episode to kind of propel them forward um, to try to find the answers to their question is quite awesome. Like he really fits in with those two surprisingly well. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that uh, at the end of episode two, um, when we left Sam and Bucky, uh, Bucky, uh, because they realized that the super serum had been uh, recreated. Um, and so Bucky was like, "The uh, this is their assumption that Hydra is behind this. So Bucky's logic is, who knows anyone, you know, the only person who knows more about Hydra than me is Zemo. And we know this from Civil War when, um, well, going back from Winter Soldier, at the end of Winter Soldier, when Black Widow had done that whole uh, info dump, so mm-hmm. to speak, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when Shield was compromised, and she was like, "Well, I'm airing out everybody, Shield, Hydra, everybody," and so we know that Zemo, whose family had been murdered um, in Age of Ultron uh, in Sokovia with that horrible, you know, the fight between the Avengers and Ultron, his family, I believe his wife, his children and his father were murdered, um, and so in Civil War, he was basically on this. Uh, path of revenge uh where he successfully <laughs> dismantled <laughs> the avengers uh no powers just receipts and facts um and so yeah and so with that info dump we know that zemo is someone who is very methodical he's very intelligent and so he really took his time going through all of those hydra files so he's basically like a hydra expert now um so yeah so the beginning of the episode sam and bucky visit decide to visit zemo in prison and bucky basically says um i'm gonna go talk to him because sam wanted to go and he was like bucky was like no you're an avenger he doesn't want to talk to you any superpowered anybody with costumes they he doesn't want to talk to you he'll talk to me um and so he decides to get some information from zemo and from there uh Bucky comes up with a decision to break Zemo out of jail because he feels like he's the only one that can, oh Lord. Okay. So yeah. So what did you think of that storyline? What did you think of that? Um, well, first thing I thought is like, like as soon as he opened the door, Zemo was all on the mind games again. Like Mm -hmm. he immediately went at Bucky with the mind games. Like he had been waiting all these years. (laughs) (laughs) To continue torturing these guys. Um, The the whole breaking out of prison thing. I mean, I do. I do like uh, the kind of the way he told the story to Sam. And they simultaneously. Yeah, the hypothetical (laughs) story while they they cut in with the actual, you know, footage of Zemo taking this plan um, Mm -hmm. and and executing it. So I did like that. I mean. Is it the most realistic thing? No, not really. <laughs> but was it cool to see, you know, him explaining it to Sam while Sam knows in the back of the, his head that he actually did this? Right. And then seeing it at the same time, I enjoyed that. 
Right. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we knew that they had to break Zemo out, like, because he's basically, well, it's the, the, the verdict is still out if Zemo is the ultimate bad in this series, because as we're realizing, a lot of people have agendas. People are not who they seem to be. That seemed to be a recurrent theme in episode three is that people are really not who you think they are. Um, Like Zemo, for instance, right? Like when we met, when we were introduced to him in in Civil War, uh, we knew that he was someone, he was like this brilliant tactical soldier. I think he worked in Black Ops, right? Yeah, he was an Um, Intel. Yeah, he was an Intel. And, you know, we knew that he was just dropping bodies. Um, And now we come to find out in this episode that he's like this billionaire. He's like this wealthy, he's Baron Zemo, which is yeah, he's an actual comics. Baron. He's an actual Baron because when they decide to go, they go into this garage with all these, you know, vintage antique cars. And Zemo's like, oh yeah, these are all mine. And he was like, you didn't know this, but yeah, I'm rich. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was just like, <laughs> and then they drive to, uh, Air, you know, to a field and he has his own plane. And Zemo basically says, you know, that if we're looking for who created, recreated that super soldier serum, we have to go to Madripoor. I think it's, did he say it was off uh, Indonesia or I forget? Yeah, it's between in, like uh, Indonesia and Singapore. I think it's Singapore. in that area. Yeah. So I'm going to say this. I mean, we'll, we'll get into more details of this episode. Now, two things. In, epi- in this episode, I did feel that Sam kind of took a back seat in this episode. It was more like Bucky and Zemo were running the show, so to speak. I, um, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. I think I, I could be. I mean, I would have to speak to the writers and the showrunner to see if this was their plan. But I was just looking at this episode and I was like, see, Bucky. And this is why Cap did not give you the damn shield. Because it was just a series of bad and stupid decisions. You know what I it mean? It really was. Oh, my really God. Because because Sam was just, you know, pushing back. Like, initially when, you know, uh, Sam, when Bucky proposes breaking Zemo out of jail, Sam was like, oh, hello. Um, just wanted to remind you that this man <laughs> killed the king of Wakanda. He killed T'Challa's father. He killed T'Chaka. He pretended to be Bucky. Blew up you know, the World Council building, this is when they were about to sign the Sokovia Accords and started all of this. You know, that of course, that was part of his whole master plan to break up the Avengers. Um, but, you know, and then Sam says something. He was like, listen, you you may think that other people have forgotten, but the Wakandans didn't forget that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did not forget that this man, that Zemo has killed this king. So yes, while it's it was cool to see all the glamour and like sort of like he's sort of like this international spy, Zemo, um, you know, there's some very real world, real world consequences and some real world actions that Zemo had made. Right. I, and so it's I like, agree. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of the things we, we see throughout that entire episode is like, mm-hmm. he's really fixated on Bucky. Yes. Like in, in certain ones of those scenes, he's like, you know, when Bucky's like, you know, that's not in me anymore. And he's like, are you sure about that? Mm-hmm. He's got something and, up his up his sleeve. Yeah, when when they meet, you know, when they meet up with that woman a little bit later, and he's kind of like running his hands along Bucky's face and telling him, you know, he, he's <laughs> like he's really treating him like the Winter Soldier, and yeah. he's like almost like he's like poking him just to see how far he can push him. Yes, you know that kind of reminded me of a little bit. Um, I, this week I decided to revisit, um, some of the MCU movies. So I went back and watched first Avenger and then I watched, um, the Avengers, right? The first, the mm-hmm. first team of the Avengers. And <laughs> one of the funniest parts of the Avengers to me was, you know, when, uh, Nick Fury gets everybody together. And so, you know, Tony, Tony and, uh, Bruce Banner are working, right. Are trying to figure out how the scepter, the scepter of Loki works, how the Tesseract works. And you saw Tony throughout a lot of the movies. He was like trying to goad Bruce. Oh, that's right. And he was like, he would walk up and he'd just be, he would just be looking at Bruce like, no, you're not angry. Uh, And then Bruce was just looking at him like, what are you doing? Like, do you, do you realize what you're about to unleash? Yeah, he was trying to make him hawk out. Yeah. So I feel like there's definitely some, 
maybe an homage or maybe there's definitely a, a comparison there where you have this very dangerous and a dangerous alter ego and you have this person who wants to see it you know come out that's and a I'm good like, catch that's yeah, a really good catch yeah i i thought that was very funny and so i mean i do again like you know I, I, one of the things that that i've liked about falcon and the winter soldier is that they have not tried to erase who Bucky is. And mm-hmm. yes, while the Winter Soldier was cool, right? Like he was this cool villain in Winter Soldier. But, you know, he did a lot of effed up ish. Mm-hmm. You know, he killed people. He didn't just kill bad guys. He killed a lot of innocent people, as we witnessed in episode one with that old, uh, I think he, he was Asian American. And unfortunately, one of the uh, missions that, that Bucky executed, um, he killed all these people. And then that old man's, uh, the old man's son was a, unfortunately an unwitting uh, witness and Bucky yeah. had to kill him. And like we said, Bucky remembers everything. Like, yes, even though he went to Wakanda, what what's interesting is that I thought that when he went to Wakanda and they put him on ice, I did think that they had, um, I thought maybe they had done a mind wipe or so, of some sort, mm, but like no. Like a race of memories. Yeah. So th- I think they deprogrammed him, mm-hmm. but he still very much remembers everything that he's done which is interesting and um just real quick because i'll I'll turn it back to you what was interesting is when the three of them were on the plane and they're on their way to madripoor um the notebook that we saw that bucky had which was Mm -hmm. sort of his ledger right The, the names of the people that he wanted to make amends to while he was winter soldier and the people that he had harmed um or their their surviving families we come to find out that that notebook was actually Steve's yeah. Steve's notebook that we saw in Winter Soldier, where he was making a list of all the music and all of that. And I was like, "Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. I did not catch that." That that was yeah, Steve. I didn't catch it till this episode either. Yeah, what what did you think of that? I thought it was. Um, I mean, it was kind of. Uh, it surprised me, but mm-hmm. it was, it's it's kind of nice to know that Bucky got something from steve yeah saying that sam got the shield you know <laughs> right right yeah he got something that was really important to steve of his own so i i think that was really nice yeah because i you know the uh, the other movie that i revisited too of course was endgame i was like okay going for watching avengers and then watching endgame i would highly recommend people watching it because it really shows how a lot of these characters have evolved and, and grown and that last scene so mm-hmm. that the the last scene in Endgame when Steve you know is going to put back the stones and Bruce is like okay we'll see you in five seconds and so he does it you know it's old Steve that comes back on the bench and when mm-hmm. Bucky and Bucky and Sam go to speak to this older Steve Rogers um, I noticed that when Steve handed Bucky the um handed Sam the shield Sam looked to Bucky like wait is this for real and but it seemed to me like Bucky had a nod it felt to me like because Bucky looked at at Steve and then he looked at Sam I have this feeling that Steve had told Bucky already like there was Mm. probably like some off-screen conversation of um you know I'm gonna be giving Sam number one I think Steve had told Bucky I'm not coming back (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I think he I think he had already told that's why that goodbye where he was like I'll see you soon I think Steve had already told Bucky you know I'm gonna retire being Captain America and I think he probably I mean I, I, in my imagination I'm I'm guessing he probably told Bucky you know I'm, I'm gonna give Sam the shield he's gonna be the next Captain America I just need you to be there for him you know because yeah, I mean? it like, did to, seem like mm-hmm. Bucky gave like a little nod of recognition when when Steve yes. did it so I yes. think you're right yeah, you know, and also, and I'm sure there was, um, maybe there was a discussion of like, well, this is, you know, because Steve and Bucky are best friends. I'm sure maybe Steve was trying to explain to Bucky, this is why I'm giving Sam the shield and mm-hmm. not you, which brings us to episode three with mm-hmm. the decisions that Bucky made. And I'm like, see, and that's why you ain't, that's why you didn't get it. And that's why you're not Captain America. Because yeah, I have spot on. Yeah, I've had this discussion with, you know, my brother. He's like a comic book purist and he's very anti-MCU. He's all, you know, on DC and stuff. And I'm like, all right. But he was just like, I hate it. He was like, I don't understand why. We had this very uh, 
passionate debate in our family group chat as to why Bucky is not the next Captain America. Because he was like, well, in the comic books, uh, he was like, basically, he said uh, uh, D- Disney and the and Marvel are punks. He was like, they should have given Bucky the shield and wow. you know whatever and make it. And I was like, yeah, but I was like, listen, you're right, it is Disney. Um, I, I, I acknowledge that. And I'm like, listen, you can't have kids watch going to see a movie and all the things that Bucky has done to make him the next Captain America. He hasn't worked for it yet. That's my personal opinion. I think this is what Falcon and the Winter Soldier is about. I'm not saying that Bucky's going to be the next Captain America, but it's really about a reckoning that yes, while he was brainwashed, you know, this is a trope that we've seen on a, a lot of like movies and TV shows where it's like, oh, you know, I was I was brainwashed. I was doing this. And then, you know, sort of the character sort of given a clean slate, like, oh, it wasn't your fault. But Falcon and Winter Soldier is like they're staying on Bucky's neck. Like, no, <laughs> all on his neck, all on his neck. Like, this is what you did. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And yeah, I was like, I don't feel I'm not saying I, I would never want to see Bucky as Captain America. I think he could make a good Captain America, but again, when we saw today, this week's episode definitely shows me he is not ready to take Yeah, not anytime soon. Because <laughs> Sam was the constant voice of reason. Every mm-hmm. time he or Zemo did something and Sam was like, eh, and it was exactly what he said would happen. You know what yep. I mean? So, yeah, that's why he, Sam did take sort of a backseat in this episode. I think it was really to illustrate why he would make the better Captain America, you know? I agree. I agree. I think that's exactly why they did it. And I think next episode will be a heavy Sam episode. I think so too. Um, So let's talk about some of the, some of the other characters, some of the other storylines. So we know that uh, Carly Margenthau, uh, who, who is the leader of the red hand, right? Or the flag smashers. That's what they're called. It's rebel group. Um, you know, we find out that, um, I think that was her mother, um, Mm -hmm. passes away in this episode. It seems that her mother had, uh, tuberculosis. And, um, what I did like about the episode, I liked that opening scene where they had like that commercial with the, the global repatriation council or the GRC. And they're basically an arm of the government or whichever it's, it seems to be is global um, yeah. where they're the ones that are sort of overseeing the resettlement of people who had disappeared during the blip. Right. And mm-hmm. from what we understand, you know, when we watched episode two, Carly is kind of upset because she was like, you know, the people that remained behind who weren't blipped, uh, we were the ones that had to refashion the world, so to speak. Like we had to find our new, you know, these new resources, this new normal. And then all these people came back and it did seem like there was some sort of relocation or displacement, right? Yeah, it feels like they've mm-hmm. dedicated all the resources in the world to all the people returning mm. to the detriment of all the people that were still here. Yes, yes. And it was it was interesting because, I mean, I, I would have to, again, talk to the writers and maybe read some interviews, but Morgenthau is sort of like, it is a Jewish last name, is it not? Because she looks mixed race. As she I think be, so. Right? I think yeah. So. yeah. Like, I, I'd have to do some research. But what was interesting is this whole idea of displacement and relocation made me think about post-World War II, right? Where you had the survivors of the the survivors of the Holocaust. Uh-huh. And, you know, we have a very dirty history. HBO has a document, a documentary about this, about how they were just ineffective, just even while World War II was going on and while the Holocaust camps were going on. We turned a blind eye. We were just like, oh, we don't have anything to do with that. And it really mm-hmm. wasn't until um, Pearl Harbor. And they were like, OK, yeah, we're going to kill the Nazis. And I was like, yeah. OK. Um, but, you know, in, in history, we do find out that there were, um, you know, Jewish uh, European Jews that were trying to come here um, to escape um, the oppression and, and, and the concentration camps. And the Americans were like, no, you can't come here. You know, like that's something mm-hmm. that we don't like. I was watching this documentary and I was like, my mouth was hanging. I was like, wow, what we've been taught and what, you know, all these movies and, 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 and media has taught us about our involvement in World War II is really not the entire story. 
Not so, at all. yeah, so to find out that these people who are just just horrors upon horrors and saying, well, we need a safe haven with you. And for the Americans to close their borders, so to speak, and be like, no, we're not going to do that. And then, you know, that's when the creation of Israel and they were like, okay, we're going to give you a, a, we're going to give you this land. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that of course impacted the Palestinians who were like, I don't know. I, I mean, you know, again, I think, Somebody who would be more um, ver well versed or more academic, I'll have to find somebody and see if they could come on. But I was getting shades of that, you know what yeah. I mean. And just mm -hmm. throughout history of how this happens, about how people who who have suffered and and rightly so, who do deserve um, resources, but those resources are usually at the cost of someone else. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And it and it was like wow. So I'd be really interested to see like what. Carly's backstory as far as like her ethnicity or whatever, but I, it was just something I was, I was keeping in the back of my mind, but um, we get to know a little bit more about her as to her motivations as to why she's doing this and why, you know, they, they, they essentially were in Madripoor and they stole the super serum. I think they said there were 20 doses. So mm -hmm. she and her group took the 20 and they were like, we'll take it. So they, they gave themselves the serum in order for them to, um, kind of do like these, you know, to, to be able to steal the vaccines and, and get these resources and bring them into these um, settlement camps, right? right. Um, you know, for people who were displaced. And I could be wrong, but I remember her when she was having this conversation with one of her other colleagues, Desmond Ch Chaim, I think that's his name. He's super gorgeous, by the way. Um, <laughs> of Asian that the long haired man? Yes, yeah. with the long hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Carly had said something to the effect of, not only were they taking the serums for themselves, I think their ultimate plan is to create or re or um, to make more serum of the super 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 soldier oh. serum to give it to the kids. I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what? Yeah. So what's interesting to me, at least, this is the one thing that I found really interesting, is like this redistribution. Because the super soldier serum means so many things, right? It's not, mm -hmm. it could really be a metaphor for power and all of that. But I find it interesting that we are seeing people of color like Carly, uh, mm -hmm. like the Desmond Chain character or Chain character who are people of color who are taking that super serum for themselves, but using it to empower other people of color and other mm -hmm. uh, oppressed minorities. I just thought that that was Hmm. I was like, all right. I, yeah. If y'all run with this storyline a little bit more, I think this could really be something. You know what I mean? Yeah, me too. Because up, up until this point, the only people we saw with the super soldier serum, Captain America, Bucky, white men, right? And then the, right. those those five soldiers that we saw in Civil War, I think one of them was black or whatever. But you know what I mean? But to see someone like Carly. The ones in a, Siberia. In Siberia, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? So to see someone like these two, and that group that Carly has, you'll notice that they're very diverse. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of uh, ethnicities and races there. So they're sort of like, well, we're going to take the super soldier serum, but they're not doing it for personal gain. Right. They're, do they're really doing it for like, um, we got to take care of our people because the government, pretty much the GRC has abandoned them and hasn't really mm, exactly. done much for them like listen it's five years after the blip and you still got people dying from tuberculosis like what are y'all mm. doing you know what mm -hmm. i mean like that just tells you how bad these living conditions are you know because tuberculosis we know is from close quarters it's poor water poor health you know what i mean it's all these other things so we know that the people who have been displaced displaced have not had it easy at all and it sounds spot on because, I mean, I could easily see, I mean, it is happening mm -hmm. today, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that's basically what's going to be happening with the vaccines and stuff like that. You know, Absolutely. it's going to go to the most powerful countries first. Absolutely. So it's very yeah, real. I mean, did we not see, and it was so frustrating when, you know, you saw all of these, like, a lot of these Republican um, politicians mm. that had basically, they gaslit or gaslighted us for almost a year saying that this virus was a freaking hoax. And then once the vaccine was available, they were the first one posting mm -hmm. pictures like, Oh, I'm taking the vaccine. And I'm like, but I told, I thought you said that it wasn't real. Right. But you yep. know what I mean? And, and every time I saw one of those pictures, it, 
infuriated me because it was like, not only did your rhetoric put your followers in danger because they believed you, they were like, well, if, you know, Senator so-and-so or Congressman so-and-so said that this virus isn't real. So that's how we got the anti-maskers, right? They were like, mm-hmm. well, they, ah, ha, 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 they said it's not real, right? Yep. And then people started dying and being really sick. And then these politicians are now the first ones in line it, who, in my opinion, are taking resources from other people. I totally agree with you. Yep. you know? yeah. So it's like every Republican politician or cons- who said that it wasn't real and then got that shot. And I just kept thinking, wow, a single mother with three kids could have gotten that shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And essentially someone who's like a cashier or one of the managers of the supermarket or target or, you know, healthcare workers, somebody you know who really I mean? needed it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think Falcon and the winter soldier, they are um, bringing up some really important parts. I, I like the fact that it's not, Oh, here's the blip. They came back and life as usual. I think mm-hmm. what they're showing is like, no, there are some real life, even though it was a very supernatural out of this world occurrence, here are the real world consequences of what yeah. happens when billions of people come back <laughs> after five mm-hmm. years. So, but anyway, I wanted to get your thoughts. What What do you think of the Carly character? And we see that she does something towards the end where I was like, oh, girl, no. Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think it's... uh goes back to the last week when we were talking about it. And I was like these aren't these aren't the bad guys mm-hmm. you know this is just another you know it's just like another group that has a legit i feel like anyway they have a legit issue that they're trying to take care of mm-hmm. and you know they're using the method that they feel is going to help them the most which is getting their hands on the super soldier serum right so they're strong enough to go and take the resources that they have been denied. Mm-hmm. So I really like this character. Um, yeah. I want to see where they're going to go with it. You know, at the, you know, the, the last thing she did in this episode kind of like makes it a lot more gray, at least for her, mm-hmm. because he didn't <laughs> seem to agree with what she did, you know? Yeah. Cause up until this time, you know, they, I mean, they might've like thrown a couple of soldiers around and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like, girl, you. He was like, because she sets yeah. off a bomb. You, we know that we see that they go to this place where they get more food and vaccine, medicine, or whatever. And I understood her anger because she was like, "This is so Me effed too. up." She was like, "You have this stuff just sitting here for six months when there are people who could use that." And I understand, mm-hmm. and I totally understand that anger. Um, but then <laughs> when right. she and uh, the Desmond Chain character, you know, get in the car, and she was like, "Put your seatbelt on," and I was like, "Uh oh." This ain't yeah. good. Because he was like, well, aren't you going to take your car? She was like, no, I'm going to drive with you. And then she told him to put the seatbelt on. And then the car detonates. She put a bomb in there. And so mm-hmm. the bomb sets off a fire. It blows up the building that's in there. And we know that we there were uh, soldiers or whoever that they had tied up and left in there. And he's looking at her like, girl, there were people yeah. in there. And she was like, well, that's the only, <laughs> that's the only language yeah. they understand. And so it's like, listen. As black people, let's let's talk, Robert. Listen, <laughs> we know that we've done the nonviolent movement, the nonviolent civil rights movement for mm-hmm. how many years, right? It's a, you know, it was always yeah, decades, about decades, no. decades, decades, right? Decades. Yeah. And then it's like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, there are days because right now we're living in real time where we're looking at the trial of the cop who murdered George Floyd, right? Mm-hmm. Derek Chauvin. And I've, I've only seen a couple of clips of the cross-examination and the testimony and it's making my blood pressure go up. And I was like, I can't, you yeah. know? And, you know, people are afraid that this guy might walk, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, at time after time after time, we've seen that where, you know, Black people are victims of police brutality or anti-Blackness or just hate crimes. And, you know, usually the perpetrators walk off you know what right. i mean especially if they're cops it's like it was like oh we left mike brown's body in the street for four hours and what you know what right. i mean and it was just mm-hmm. sort of like just all these things and sometimes it's just sort of like i don't know that has this has this peaceful non-violent i was like what has it really gotten us mm-hmm. I, yeah. I do ask that sometimes and i was just like 
um, I forgot who the, I think her name is Kimberly Latrice, Patrice Jones or whatever. And she said something which really occurred to me. This was when, you know, at the height of the BLM protest this summer. And, you know, you had these white people who are so upset over property damage. They were like, oh, yeah, you know, you blew out the windows. You, you damaged the Target and the CVS and stuff. And she was like, F the property. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? She was like, you should be that upset. You need to be more upset about the loss of life of black yeah. and brown people. Like where, where's, where's the, you know what I mean? The outrage for that. And she was like, and she said something that has always stuck with me. She was like, you should be lucky. She was like, white people. She was like, you're lucky that we only want equality and not revenge, that we want mm-hmm. justice and not revenge. And I was like, girl. Yeah. And like Carly <laughs> said in this episode, mm-hmm. sometimes that's the only you know, it seems like the property damage is the only thing they understand. That's the only thing that gets to them. Right, right. And then it was didn't MLK have a say where he says "riot" is the language of the unheard, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's a, a much longer quote or whatever, but sometimes. And I think I appreciate that they're trying to push this grayness, right? Because for the most mm-hmm. part in the MCU, you know, like towards the beginning, it was very evil was very black and white. And so I feel like with the Carly character, number one, I just love the fact that this woman who's leading this rebel group is a woman of color as it should be. That makes, Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. Um, But she's sort of like, F that. (laughs) I'm not Captain America. I might have the super soldier serum, but I ain't him. I'm not Steve Rogers. Okay. (laughs) She just lost her mom. So that's, that seemed like that, that kind of like, Oh yeah. Put her over the, put her over the edge. Like she's just tired of everything. Absolutely. Because I'm sure when they went in there, there was probably medication that could have helped her mom. Mm-hmm. Like, that's I, her I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's not like the woman had like a, a disease that was totally not with with the proper care and food and nutrition that didn't need to happen. You know right. what I'm saying? So, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated by her character. I'm like, OK, girl, I see you. All right. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, yeah. And then speaking of strong female characters, and I love that this episode that was definitely bringing more women into this. Um, we are reintroduced to Sharon Carter, mm. uh, who, again, we had been introduced to in Winter Soldier. She worked. She was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, also of note, she is Peggy Carter's, the, the late Peggy Carter's niece. Um, there was a little bit of romantic flirtation with her and Steve in uh, Civil War because she basically risked her job uh, when Steve and uh, when Steve and uh, uh, Bucky were arrested. She helped them break out, gave Steve back his shield, gave Sam back his wings. And for that, she is now a wanted criminal. So she had to run. <laughs> Out of America. So she's in Majapur. So they find her in Majapur and she explains that the reason why she's in Majapur is because they don't believe in extradition. So as long as she's there, America can't touch her. Uh, Majapur will not turn her over. And we find out that she has, she's quite the resourceful young woman uh, Mm -hmm. because since she can't get a, you know, a legal job, she is sort of like selling stolen artwork. Like she's doing quite well for herself. She's like an art thief now. I'm like, girl, you were doing much better than when you were. Eight. I don't even know what shield salaries look like. I'm, I'm assuming it's the government, but right. she was, she, she got the glow up. <laughs> I'm gonna say Big that. Big time glow up. <laughs> so, so what did you think of, of Sharon's appearance in this episode? Um, it was kind of like a re- revelation because she's kind of been like a character that, like, I never really paid a whole lot of attention to. She was like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, um, but uh, like in this episode. She was like doing doing the damn thing. Yeah, like she is like she's running things uh, in Madripoor. She uh, she just like it seems like she like capitalized on whatever connections she had while she was in Shield to like get started up here. And mm-hmm. can I say that I'm I was pretty excited to hear they were going to Madripoor since mm-hmm. you know I kind of grew up a big x-men fan and 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 i'm pretty sure the very first time madripoor showed up was in the new mutants oh i did not know that tell us yeah yeah uh yeah back in back when karma first left the new mutants they ended up having to track karma down to madripoor and i'm pretty sure that's the first time it showed up in the mcu and then right after that uh was the wolverine miniseries with oh, wow. Mariko and everything, and that I think almost the 
the entirety of that took port, uh, place in Madripoor. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, that's. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look that up. I'm gonna have to mm-hmm. look that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Now I'm gonna say this. Like the Madripoor scenes. Hmm. I I feel like I understood why. Like, cause it had to propel the storyline, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I, I kind of had mixed feelings about it because on one hand I was like I understand it like they're they're trying to track down now that they broke Zemo out of jail and Zemo's like I have a contact and you know Magipor it's this person called Selby they can give us you know a jump or a lead on who has recreated the super serum that uh, you know the members of the Red Hand um, had stolen and mm-hmm. so on one hand I was like it kind of worked right and then on the other hand it was like my friend was like it kind of felt like deleted scenes from bad boys three i was like really no just sort of like the lighting and just like the club Uh, scenes and stuff like it kind of felt felt a little bad boyish you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i was just like but i get you know they were trying to create like this it's like a world building right like madripoor is sort of like its own thing because i think sam you know a little bit later says you know new york has nothing on madripoor it's it's a party town it's it's a little lawless it's you know whatever so i kind of get it i mean i think for me it was just sort of like um, because they, they do end up finding, cause the person that they're looking for, they do find Selby is this mysterious person who, uh, kind of runs things, um, in Madripoor and just, you know, when they find Sel uh, find Selby, Selby is about to tell them, um, you know, where the super serum or who is creating the super serum. She's like, it's a, you know, this person named Dr. Wilfred Nagel. And just as they're about to get more information from her, somebody just, kills her I, it's like a sharpshooter i have no idea and then kills her well that was when uh mm-hmm. when sarah called sam right and, and, they realized- and they're talking on the phone and then once you know mm-hmm. sarah says sam's name that's when they kill shelby that's when shelby shot shot from yeah you know, so we still whoever. don't know so we still don't know who done that and we still know that Selby works for a higher power is the, the person is called the power broker so we still don't mm-hmm. know who the power broker is um, I would maybe, maybe it's some more, I don't know if it's in the comics or it's canon. I'm very interested to know who this power broker is. I have a strong suspicion that whoever the power broker is probably somebody we know from the MCU. The pow- <laughs> yeah. The power broker is definitely in the comics and the power oh, broker okay. is the one who gives John Walker in the comics, the super serum. Oh no. Oh, I already hate it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, all right. So he's in the comics. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Good to know. And, and that's scary because we know that John Walker and, uh, Hoskins, uh, what mm-hmm. was his bot battle star, um, are, are in at the end of the episode, they are in Majapur, um, looking for Sam and yeah. Bucky. So that's kind of scary. Oh God. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified. Can we talk about, can yes. we talk about Walker real quick for a yes, minute? Yes, please, please. In you the know, beginning I... of the episode mm-hmm. when they're on that in Germany yes. and they raid that building mm-hmm. and he says, and that guy um, spits in his face and he says, he yells, do you know who I am? Yeah. I was like, okay, this <laughs> is why they picked him to be Captain America because this is what this America is. Like, this is the most American thing mm-hmm. somebody could say. Right. He's a bully. He's a bully. He is a total bully. And mm-hmm. that's basically the way this show is portraying America. And it's pretty yeah. much true. And did you, ca- <laughs> did you did you catch this? Because what I find interesting, because remember, we talked about this last week, like the, the fact that uh, Walker and Hoskins are sort of like this mirror reflection of Steve and Sam, right? As like this white mm-hmm. superhero with this kind of like BFF sidekick right right but we're already seeing static in the hoskin and walker relationship and i'm Mm -hmm. here for it because what's interesting is that when they raid that place to get information on carly and so john is talking to the guy the guy is speaking back to him in german or some other language and he calls hoskins over he was like i need a translator and so uh, hoskins asks him well you know where can we you know where's carly or whatever now the guy said something really insulting like he was basically like f john walker or whatever mm-hmm. like f john but then when hoskins translated it to walker he gave him a very neutered uh 
translation. Did you notice that? Right. And yeah, it was I almost did. like it was almost like Hoskins was pr- protecting that guy. Like he wasn't gonna talk. He was just like he doesn't know where he is. That's not what yeah. the guy said. The guy was like, like he you. like he knew Walker mm-hmm. was snap if yes. he told him the real thing. Absolutely. And so, and then the the scene when they walk outside, and Hoskins is like, but listen, these guys are just stealing medicine and vaccines. I mean, so the, Hoskins is already like a question mark. Mm. Like number one, he I think the way that Walker responded to that guy, I think has Hoskins at least on yellow alert. Like, yeah, I agree. Like for me, it was just sort of like, (laughs) it was sort of like the black cop and his white partner. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause it's policing. Let's, let's call it what it is. That's what the GRC is. And it's sort of like that black cop who sees his white partner roughing up people. And it's like, "Mm, should I say something? Shouldn't I say something? And cause you can see a look of, disapproval on Hoskins face yeah. like you didn't because I'm thinking to myself if this was Steve Rogers and somebody had spit in Steve's face Steve wouldn't have come at him like that Steve would have been no. like you know what all right I'm gonna walk away from here mm-hmm. Walker on the other hand was like I'm about to fuck you up <laughs> like I think if there were no people there I think Walker would have would have worked that guy over that's what I he think he would have yeah he would have and remember in the second mm-hmm. episode and that yeah. beginning and the um the football locker room mm-hmm. and uh hoskins said you can't punch your way out of everything Woo! so this ain't the first time he's seen him do stuff like this you know what i'm saying wow so hoskins no and he's i seen like this before yeah and i and i i'm i'm now very interested in hoskins because i thought he was just gonna be like you know whatever but it seems that hoskins definitely has his own mind and mm-hmm. has his own opinions. And I would not be surprised. I mean, we have three more episodes left. I would not be surprised that if by the end of the show, Hoskins and Walker's relationship is fractured. Like I would I not agree. be I would not be surprised if Hoskins moves over to the other side with yeah, Bucky and Sam. Because I think as things escalate, and based on what you're saying, that the power broker does give Walker the super serum, because I could totally see Walker doing that shit. Now that he's a magic, oh, prince. you know he would. Like he's like, oh, you know, I need to level up, and if I need to fight these guys, if I need to fight the red hand. I've got to be just like them. I have a feeling that if they follow that storyline that you're saying that Power Walker gives Walker access to Super Serum Surgery, Walker's gonna be. We already don't even like him now. He's gonna be insufferable. He's gonna and be a problem. He's gonna, he be, a gonna problem. be a problem. And I think that is gonna be the straw that breaks the camel's back between him and and Hoskins' friendship. Um, mm-hmm. I like the actor who plays Hoskins, by the way. I think he's cool. But I like that he's already like, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not feeling this. And I think he is, you know, the fact that he kind of stood up for the red hand, it was just kind of like, but are they really villains? Like, like what are we really doing here? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that is Hoskins. And I think that goes to, what like our first conversation when you said, you know, when you served in the military and after 20 years and looking back at your service while, you know, you were proud you served your country. But now as you get older, you're kind of questioning some of the things yeah. that happened. And I think this is what's happened. Like, he's just going to be like on a fast track. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? Hopkins. Yeah. yeah, he's on an accelerated rate that you were, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. he's just sort of like, and I think the more that as they get deeper into this mystery, I think Hoskins is going to be like, no, I don't think these people are evil. They're just trying to survive. Like, that's what he, that's I, what he said. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if Hoskins will find out about Bradley, too, the way Sam did. I wonder if he's oh, going to find out. Oh, wow. You know what? I just realized when they were showing, you know how they showed the scenes from the last episode, mm-hmm. from episode two, and I missed this, and I wanted to ask you about this. This was the scene when um, John Walker and and Hoskins first met Sam and Bucky when they were having the fight with the red hand on the highway, and then that's when they offered them the ride. After the fight, that's when they offered Sam and Bucky to ride in the back of the truck with them, and they were having right. a conversation, and then Walker said something, and I was like, how the frick did I miss this? In the the clip, he said this in episode two. He said something about the something about the super serum or the shield, where he was like, "Yeah, it's something about um, a complicated history or something like that." Like you don't really know the whole story. And I'm like, John Walker must know about Isaiah Bradley. Oh crap! 
Girl, listen. I missed that too. I'm gonna go back, I, uh, listeners. I'm gonna go back and we'll. I, I, what I might do is find that clip and put it in in our recap. Go back and so confirm forth. it. But he definitely said something to the effect of like, mm, it's not you know basically the 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 uh, legacy of the shield or Captain America is not what you think or whatever. And I'm like, he must have known because right after that's when Bucky was like, oh, I need to take you to go see Isaiah Bradley. Mm. So I'm wondering if Bucky See, that would picked, make sense. Yeah, if like that was like a ding, ding, ding. Like Bucky was like, "Oh, I know who you're talking about. Oh, let me mm-hmm. take salmon." So if John Walker and I wouldn't be surprised if they gave Walker access to that information. I wouldn't either. Wow, I wouldn't either. And then for and let's talk about the fact that he knew about that and he still took the shield. Mm-hmm. So what does that? So what does that say about him? Like, okay, it you says know, everything we already knew, right? right like you know you know the legacy is dirty and you took the shield anyway and you were like all right never mind these black people you know what i mean uh which Mm -hmm. leads us to the so let's move a little bit forward so we know that they end up finding uh dr wilfred nagel he is the one who had recreated the serum uh we understand that um when they find him sharon sharon gets some intel and and you know is able to bring them to alfred nagel wilfred nagel and he says that Basically, he was able to recreate the serum because he had been given some samples from mm-hmm. a, a test subject, which we know is Isaiah Bradley. And I was like, oh, so you just want to talk about him like that? All right. Because Sam says that later in the episode. He was like, I hated the fact that he just talked about him. Like, he wasn't even like a human being. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I guess from the samples that they took from Bradley, uh, they recreated it. And of course, Nagel was all on some, oh, but, you know, mine is better. Right. Because you don't need a machine and you don't need this. It's going to be refined. You don't need to be buff. You know, you know what I mean? And then we find out that he did make 20 samples of it. And that's when Carly, <laughs> I love her even more now. <laughs> she busted into his lab and stole the samples. Um, you know what I'm saying? And so they were mm-hmm. like, well, do you have any more? And he says no, which I think is a lie. I think he did. I think he does. I, I do, too, because they kept mm-hmm. on focusing on some test tubes. Yeah. Lab. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gave the power broker, all he needs is just one to give to the power broker, which if, like you said, if your theory holds up and he gives it to John Walker, that's going to be a problem. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, But yeah, so here's the thing about the Wolford Nagel. I I will say this. Now, he is a a character in the comics. They did kind of retcon him for this version of the MCU, which, let me be clear, I don't have a problem with retconning at all because sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a comic book character may be problematic or the storyline may not translate as well to the screen, to a screenplay, like with Civil War. Civil War is nothing like the comic book, not real. I mean, it has threads of it, but it's very, very different, which I actually yeah. think was kind of cool. I actually thought it had a more personal touch to it. So I don't have a problem with retconning. The thing with uh, Wilfred Nagel, according to comic book canon, uh, he was introduced in Red, White, and Black, The Truth, the Isaiah Bradley comic. He was actually a contemporary of Dr. Erskine's. So he is much older than that. Like in the comic book, he was the one who recreated the super serum that they tested on the 300 Black soldiers, including Isaiah Bradley. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said in the last episode, those 300 soldiers, they did not volunteer. They were forcibly um, taken to be experimented on, right? And um, right. yeah, and out of those 300, only five survived. And then the other four just through a series of really bad things. Um, Isaiah Bradley ended up being the only one who was the survivor. And not to mention the fact that the military, um, you know, had told their families, these 300 soldiers that they're told their families that they had died in battle mm-hmm. in order, whatever. So I do... <laughs> I mean, I was like, well, could they really have? Because he wouldn't be alive today. Let's put it that way. If they, if yeah, they was, right. That's you know true. what I mean? But I do feel like, and we said this last week, this just begs that we have to revisit the Isaiah Bradley story. Because yeah. it, is, it is so much worse. Like what we saw in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, if you had never read the comic books, then you're just following the storyline. You're like, oh, Isaiah Bradley. Oh, yeah, that's that's messed up. They threw it's so much more it's so much much more messier than that and wilfred nagel is actually more nefarious than that <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah 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 you know? i think mm-hmm. one of these last three episodes we're gonna get some of this right because you know um they uh 
was it Carl Lumley, the actor? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like they made him up to be way older than he really is. Yeah, he doesn't. So look I like feel that. like, yeah. So I feel like, like in one of these last three episodes, we're gonna get more of the Isaiah Bradley story. I don't know if we'll get a whole episode, but I feel mm-hmm. like we're gonna get yeah. a chunk, maybe in a flashback or something. Right. Since because he the, doesn't actually look that old. Yeah, because the, the pitfall that I don't want uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier to fall into is that I don't want them to fall into that trope of using Black trauma and Black mm-hmm. death to propel a storyline, right? Because we 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 Because there is sort of a history in the MCU of that, and we saw that in Civil War where, uh, you know, in the beginning where Wanda accidentally blew up that building and killed those, um, accidentally killed the Wakandan volunteers that were there. They were there on a mission of mercy, so to speak. These were like doctors and nurses or whatever, and they were murdered and that propelled a certain storyline. And then also in civil war, there was a lot of black death in civil war. Like, like, let's talk about that. We, we had the Mm -hmm. Wakandan, um, volunteers. They were killed. All right. Then, well, not all right. And then we saw, uh, you know, we find out that in, during the Sokovian uh, battle in, from Civil War, this young black man who was, uh, I forget what his name was, Charlie, I think, uh, Alfred Woodard's son. Alfred Woodard's performance was so beautiful. Right, when right. she met Tony by the thing. And that, his death is actually what motivates Tony to sign the Sokovia Awards, which, let me tell you something, I actually agreed with that. Tony mm-hmm. was like, listen, we got to stop these shenanigans right now. All right. <laughs> like, we're killing people. <laughs> we're killing innocent people. This is not cool or whatever. And and then we get King T'Chaka who was murdered. So that's a lot of black bodies <laughs> for, a, you know, the MCU, which, you know, is just now bringing black people. I was like, damn. I mean, I can't say it's a balance. We were introduced to Black Panther and you know the Doras or whatever which was cool but i'm just saying like i just i just really need them to focus and and be careful that this doesn't become like a recurring plot point right mm-hmm. like where you use black suffering like with isaiah to kind of propel the storyline like i don't i don't mind the fact that sam found out about isaiah bradley cuz like we said in the first podcast that is actually going to um, impact his decision on whether he wants to take the shield or not, because that's another. Absolutely. And I want to talk to you about that because on the the flight back, black uh, the flight back from Madripoor, um, Bucky and Sam have this very interesting conversation <laughs> because Sam is pissed. And remember, when we were talking about that. I was like, I really need to see man. I, I, I need them to allow. That's the other thing I want to see in Falcon and Winter Soldier is that I need them to make space. For Sam's right. rage, like black rage is you want to do black pain. OK, but black rage needs to be part of the equation, too. Like, I, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with Sam being upset. And he was upset. He was like, yo, this dude created this super serum and just used this black man as a guinea pig. Like, I'm not feeling that. You know, Bucky's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, the shield like Bucky's all defending, you know, the Captain America legacy. And I was just waiting for Sam to be like, fuck Captain America. <laughs> legacy but i think we're getting there (laughs) yeah i do too i do i feel like one of these last three episodes we're gonna get a focus on on that whole isaac i mean just the fact that in the uh beginning at the beginning of this episode when they were showing you know the previously on they focused on that i feel like they're gonna you know focus on it in an episode in one of the last three Right, right. Because, like, I understand, like, it has to be, you know, there's been this conversation online about, you know, black pain and black trauma in movies and television. And people are like, I don't want to see that anymore. I just want to see black joy. And absolutely, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. But I was like, but at the same time, like, I do feel that some of the studios and some filmmakers are capitalizing. I think there's a difference between showing it and exploiting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when yeah. you're exploiting it just for exploitation's sake, where you just you're just trying to for a shock value, that's different. And so that's why I'm like, I really for the next three episodes, I I, I hope that they're not going to veer in that direction. But also at the same time, I felt like we do need to talk about Isaiah Bradley. Like I think it would yeah, like like if we followed that argument that people had, like I don't want to see black pain and black trauma. Well, Isaiah Bradley's story was very much needed to be, it, it, it very much needed to be introduced into the MCU. It really, really did. And so mm-hmm. I just feel like as long as it's not just 
a plot point, but actually, and we have said this, that there needs to be sort of like a revisitation of this storyline to humanize Isaiah, not to just see him as a victim, but to actually see, like, like I said, a flashback or a series or, or, you know, a movie where, you know, this man was married. Like he, he had a loving family. He, you know, came from Harlem, had a beautiful wife and then was called to service because he wanted to serve his country. And it, he was given the ultimate betrayal, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like we do need to see, we need to bring back Isaiah Bradley. I agree with you because we, we need to hear more from him, from his point of view and not other people talking for him was like, you know, not just, Oh, I spent 30 years in jail. Well, what was that like? Like, yeah. In isolation, like I can't even imagine what that's like. And um, I, I don't think they mentioned it on the show, but in the comic book, when he was arrested, it was literally because he had borrowed the Captain America costume mm-hmm. and shield. And for that, they were like, that's treason <laughs> and just throw yeah. it away. Um, so, yeah, I, I do feel like there needs to be. And I think the other thing that will definitely help besides bringing back Carl Lumbly and having him tell his story um, and, and showing his humanity is also, I think, like you said, a lot of people are, are talking about Eli Bradley, um, mm-hmm. Isaiah, Isaiah Bradley, the young man who answers the door in episode two, that legacy needs to continue. I think El- Eli Bradley, if they f- plan on forming young Avengers, um, that brings some hope, Right. And in a way to yeah. not to rectify, but just in a way to just be like, these are the, you know, these are, th- this is how blackness is looking in the MCU right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And where yeah, it, can, it can be free of um, trauma and pain or whatever. Cause I, I mean, I've read a little bit about the Eli Bradley character. He seems super cool. And the actors that they picked, he's so cute. I, I found his mm-hmm. IG page and I was like, I really want to see him. I want to see him yeah. come back. You know, so yeah, um, yeah, he yeah. yeah, he fits the character perfect. So I hope, I hope, I'm pretty sure they don't, they wouldn't put him in there for no reason. Right. Well, we know that about the MCU; they never do anything gratuitously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're peppering these shows with all these little seeds. Yeah. So for the last three minutes, so we're at fifty-seven minutes. I want to talk about that last cameo <laughs> appearance. Holy shit. That made up for every, I was just like, I mean, it was not that it was a bad episode. I mean, I had some question marks and just like some things I would have done different, but that made up for it because. I did not expect that at all. No, at all. I mean, listen, you and I have been following the news, the casting news. (laughs) That was like super, super, super secret. And I think I follow Florence Kasumba on Twitter or Instagram or something. I ain't hear nothing from her, but. You know, That's amazing. I, yeah, from what I understand, I think they shot those scenes because um, they shot overseas um, a lot of the episodes or whatever. So I guess it was easier to keep it a secret. Um, but I, I appreciated that. Number one, the return of the door, freaking Milaja, Milaji. Mm-hmm. We see uh, Ao, who's played by Florence Kasumba. We had been introduced to her in Civil War. You see how everything keeps circling back to Civil War here? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I love. And so she was T'Challa's bodyguard, and she was the one that told when Black Widow stood in her way, she was like, move or you will be moved. And I was like, I'm mm-hmm. mad that we never got to see that fight. I wanted to see it. Um, she's good at these end of thing cameos. Yes, she is, honey. She's gorgeous. Just statuesque just gorgeous and so i'm glad that that is happening because if we're talking about black lives matter right we're talking about you know the importance of 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 blackness on the show yes mr zemo baron zemo like he's out here acting like bruce wayne you know like living it up and it's like no sir you killed the king of wakanda you really really think that your wealth and your resources are going to protect you i don't think so buddy yeah that yeah that was um mm-hmm. that was wild like as soon as he like bent down and i saw the uh kimoyo bead oh was like, that's what, what it was yeah oh. yes those beads remember that yes 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 yeah as soon as he picked that up i was like oh i was like what is about to go down here but it makes sense of like course. they would track it. They they would track him down as soon as he popped up again. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure they had contacts at the jail. I mean, for for him mm-hmm. to escape, that made new. And I, like you said, we know that Wakandans have war dogs. They have people out there as 
you know, witnessed by Lupita's character. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? They have eyes and ears everywhere. So of course they want to keep an eye on Zemo. So I think Zemo is really feeling like I'm good. <laughs> He's feeling himself so hard. He's he is really feel- feeling himself. Oh, it's about to be a whole situation because with Ayo's appearance, the question is who else is showing? Are we gonna see mm. Shuri? Are we gonna see? I mean, is is um not Lapita, uh Danae Guerrero's character. Uh, oh yeah. Okoye. Yeah. Oh, Okoye, is she Akoye. gonna show up? I just want a whole a whole legion. Give it of give them all to me. Give them all to me. <laughs> it makes me think of that that episode that uh series that you said you wanted with the Dora Milaje. Yes. And who's to say? Yeah. I mean, and that's the great thing about Marvel is that like even these like with WandaVision, at least two, three different projects are all spinning from that, right? We've got Monica mm-hmm. Monica Rambeau, plus mm-hmm. we have Wanda who's gonna be in um Doctor Strange 2. And then it also set up Secret Invasion with um Nick Fury, although we did not see him, we saw the 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 scrub. You know what I mean? So it's like yep. WandaVision, like Kevin Feige, man, I was like, can I just intern for you for like free? Mm. Like I would just do your coffee runs and everything because they are very, very strategic. Nothing is like they you really said, are. nothing is gratuitous with them at all. Um, so, well, remember, they had announced uh, they, that they are doing a Wakandan series for Disney Plus. Yeah, right? they are. Yeah. So I'm sure they were probably planning that. Already, they were like, "Oh, we're just telling you," but we probably, you know, let's so, go. I'm ready. So, who's to say that that whatever storyline with the with the Dora that happened in Falcon and the Winter Soldier will now set the, um, you know, will, will set the the foundation for this Dora series or this Wakanda series? I mean, it, it made me like I was happy, and then it also made me sad because then it's like anything related to Black Panther is like. It's still a pain yeah. for a lot of us because then you're reminded. Because like when I watched Endgame, Sad. I think I yeah. When I told you I was watching Endgame the other day and the funeral scene for Tony, and it was like this great scene where you're seeing like the continuation of the Avengers, and you saw like you know whatever, and then the camera stopped on T'Challa, uh, mm. Okoye, and Letitia, and um, uh, what's his little sister's name? Oh my god, I'm, I'm like, Shuri. Shuri. Shuri, and then it and then it just. Oh man, I started crying because I was like, "Oh my god, he only got to do one Black Panther movie!" Like it was so surreal. Like he was acting at a scene at a funeral, and then he would end up dying himself a couple of years after. And that's that's a pain, I think, for a lot of people who are Black Panther fans. You know, yeah. we've talked about this. You know, like I, you know, a lot of people had to, been debating where should it should they recast T'Challa or not. I think Marvel made the right decision not to. It's too soon. It's too fresh. And especially in the midst of the pandemic, like we're in perpetual grief right now. And I yeah. think, you know, we didn't want to send the message that black people are replaceable. You know what I mean? So I get it. Um, and, you know, recently we just saw an interview with um, uh, Ryan Coogler, the director and writer, co-writer of Black mm-hmm. Panther. He was on a podcast with Jamel Hill and it just made me cry. He was just like he was like, it is incredibly difficult because he had finished the script already. Yeah, then, I can't imagine how hard yeah, that was. So it's just like, and he had a really, a kinship. Like, it wasn't just a professional working relationship, but really like a brotherhood with Chadwick. And then mm-hmm. it's like, I got to rewrite this. Like, everything. You know what I mean? And I just, my heart yeah. just hurts for him. I can't imagine how hard that is. But yeah, I'm glad, I'm, I was glad to see Ayo. Um, and, and I think... And this is why I say that it was so smart for Ryan Coogler. Not that he could have ever known what was going to happen to um, Chadwick Boseman. This is why it was so... It, it, it's it's actually bearing fruit in the fact that Ryan invested in so much in the female characters of um, mm. Black Panther. Because in a way, mm-hmm. they are going to carry on that legacy for Absolutely. Chadwick. And Chadwick was very much you know, a champion for women, an ally to women. I think I read somewhere where... I think he did the movie, was it 21 Bridges or some movie where he found out that his female co-star was getting paid less. And he was yeah, like, that was no. 21 Bridges. Yes. And he was like, no, you're going to pay her the same amount of money. You yeah. know what I mean? And everything that I've ever seen in, in interviews with Chadwick, he was very much, he was very much an ally to women. He was a supporter of Kamala Harris. One of the last pictures on um, his, his social media was a picture of him and Kamala. So I think 
I think wherever Chadwick is, I think he's really happy that we have like these incredibly strong, beautiful black women of the Black Panther franchise that are going to carry on his legacy in a way. So I was just, I I'm trying not to cry. I was just like, oh my I God, agree. it's so sad. But thank you so much, Robert, for coming back. We'll be back for episode four. You'll be back, right? <laughs> Definitely. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. Oh my God. Dora, more Dora stuff in episode four. I cannot <laughs> wait. Cannot wait. So thank you listeners for listening to another episode of the Spectra Lounge. We will be back next Friday to discuss episode four of Falcon and the Winter Soldiers. See you on the other side. 